Well, here we are on Palm Sunday, and I've been talking to you the last couple of Sundays about about, uh, the crucifixion time. The death of Jesus. We've talked about the ideals or the attitudes or the thinking that brought Jesus to the cross. And we found out a lot of that stuff was sitting inside of the religious people. The self-righteousness and some of the stuff that was there that we talked about. And it gives us pause to look at ourselves. And you'll notice we got tables set up this morning. And we're going to partake in communion with our Lord this morning at the end of the service. So I want you to be concentrating and focusing on that. Because it's something that he told us to do. It keeps us in remembrance of him. It keeps us at the place that we can grow closer with him. Do a self-check on ourselves. I told you all a few weeks ago about a guy that was overcoming something. And the thing he was overcoming was his trying to be the fourth person in the Trinity. He thought everybody else, what they needed, what they needed fixed. I thought that was so powerful. Very powerful for this day and age where we like taking it and shoveling it over on the next guy. Or, you know, the preacher walks in and the guy says, well, you know, you lay it on them, preacher, because they need it. They don't realize they need it too. Me first, I receive, and then I give. And that's what we, that's what we do, but... So we're, we're at Palm Sunday. It, it's a week before the crucifixion of Jesus. He's already basically in the Word tells us who, who uh, Judas was. He was a thief. He handled the money. He was a follower of Jesus in some aspect, but in the end he wasn't a true follower of Christ he knew the words he walked with him he slept on the ground with him wherever they went he was the guy that was over the treasury kept the money box but the Bible also tells us something about Judas he was a thief he stole from the Lord the money that went in to go for the work of the Lord he was skimming off of it and he sold our Lord out for 30 pieces of silver he wanted to give it back afterwards but he would already sold him out it happened so the scripture could be fulfilled. He wasn't born for that purpose. Just God knew that's who, this is the guy that's going to do it. He knew what was going to happen. He knows what's happening next Tuesday. And you believe that today? You may get a bad doctor's report, and he already knows it's coming. You may get a good doctor's report, and he already knows it's coming. And so... These people, here he is in this time, and we're going to hit a piece of scripture here that's going to let us know about that, that God's in control. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? If you do, put your hands together. He's in control. (laughs) Stuff may come our way. He already knows about it. If the trial comes, it's not so that God can see what's going on inside my heart. It's so I can see what's going on in my heart. He already knows the trial is for me to grow and grow closer to him. Not so he can find out what's going on like he doesn't have a clue. He knows. So we're going to go to the scripture this morning. We're going to go to Luke chapter 19. And it's Palm Sunday. He's coming in to Jerusalem. Chapter 19 and verse 29. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent two two of his disciples saying, Go into the village opposite you. 
Whereas you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever set. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. And so those who were sent their way and found it was just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Now let's just stop right there. He gave them the marching orders, and he actually said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you where to go. This is what you're going to find. It's a colt that's never been ridden. That shows the sovereignty of God. And whenever they come and ask you, what are you doing? You let them know what you're doing. And it doesn't matter who it is. God's plans, God's will is going to get done. You got somebody in your life or something going on in your life that it just seems like God ain't in control no more and you're worried more about that than you are worried about God, let me tell you something, he's in control. That person's been giving you a hard time, that boss that's been giving you a hard time, that whatever it is that's been giving you a hard time, that's been getting you down and low in your spirit, can I tell you something, he already knew about it, and he's in control. Don't worry about it. That's a good place for an amen. Hard to do, ain't it? You know why it's hard to do? That's a part of your life that your flesh is still controlling and not the Lord. It's that simple. So he tells us not to worry about it. He gives us these things that he's told us what's going to happen, what's going to come about, showing once again his lordship. And then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. And then as he was now drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all, for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who has come in the name of the Lord, Peace and earth and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd. You know, they was there observing. You know, they always like to see what's going on. They always waiting to, got their little notebooks out, see what they can criticize. Hey, this is Jesus. He gets to do what he wants. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you, if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Do you believe that statement this morning? I do. If we don't praise, rocks are going to give praise for us. Amen. I'm going to get you started again. Give him some more praise. This is Palm Sunday. Picture it, picture it this way. Tomorrow morning, we're going to get out of bed and get ready to go to work because we got a job to do. This is Jesus getting out of bed saying, all right, I've got to go to work, and it's, you know, i got to do it. They need me. And so he's going in. It's a triumphal entry. All these people, these followers of him are crying out. They took their coats off. In John, it says they wave palm branches. You know, you got a palm with some little leaves on it here. You can praise him like this or this. Like this fern here, I mean, to take half of it, it would be like a palm branch. These are your palm branches. You're going to wave them at him? Everybody wave your palm branches at Jesus. Just say, hi, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. See, you're doing it right now. Satan don't want you to do that. We don't believe in that. That's okay. 
Stand up for him. Stand up for him. Because the question is, really, what are you going to do with Jesus? That's your question today, each and every one of you, myself included. What are you going to do with Jesus? You see, he came into the town riding lowly on a little colt. He wasn't on some big gallant steed coming into town. He come in riding on this little colt. I picture Jesus as maybe kind of a tall fellow and his toes about that far from the ground. I don't know. That's Ken's picture, and you can have your own. The Bible doesn't say, so we really don't need to expound on it. I promise your books have been written about it, but a good place for divides to happen. But the Bible doesn't tell us, so if it doesn't tell us, we just kind of be careful with it. But I just shared with you what I picture in my mind. But they were praising him. They threw their coats off. The coats off of the very backs, they laid down so that the colt that he was riding wouldn't even have to touch the ground. That amazes me. They took the coat off of their back. I don't want you to have to sit on him and touch him, Lord. You're, you're too much. I'm going to put something between you. Denise, she rides horses, you know. The saddle is for their back, right? It's not for us, but this, I see it as, Jesus, you don't need to be touching this. We want to give you something to sit on. And by the way, we're going to lay our clothes down as you come into the town. But then the religious leaders... There's so much. I mean, man, we could preach for a whole year just out of this whole scene right here. Looked for ways to kill him. I, I don't remember which book it's in, but it might be, uh, I think it's in John maybe. He had been, they were seeking also to kill Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead because he was evidence of who he was. He was evidence of the power of God. If you fall out today, God has the power to raise you up to life again. If Brother Murphy's done got a hold of you and, and, and put you over in the, in the box, which he don't do anymore, but Tim ain't here, so I can't mess with him. If God says you're getting up, you're getting up. You believe that today? He can raise the dead. That's what the Bible teaches. He can raise the dead. He proved it. He proved it. And he laid down his life of his own accord. Because it's what needed to be done so that we could be bought back and be in the right relationship with God. That's it, period. But the question is, what are you going to do with Jesus? We've already learned that Judas, who he was, right? Judas was the guy that sold him out. He played church. He patted Jesus on the back. Oh, I just love you so much. And as he's hugging him, he's pointing to the accusers. This is the one. Come get him. Come get him. He played the game. He knew the verbiage. He was a thief. He had one thing in mind and one thing only. How can I get me some more money? That's who he was. And he did not receive Jesus. He could have received Jesus. He did not receive Jesus for who he was. And it led him to the place that he went and hung himself. And that's where he died. In the trash heap, by the way. The, the, I picture the, the, the limb broke that he hung himself on and he fell down and his bowels busted open, the Bible tells us. 
He had a bad death because he didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. He couldn't see it. We all know about the Pharisees, right? They were the, they were the religious crowd. They were the self-righteous ones. The self-righteous ones are the ones that can tell you everything that's wrong with you and there ain't nothing wrong with them. Preach the word and the word will either fix them or they'll find the door very quickly. They don't like truth. That's the self-righteous crowd. And I've told you before, I'm going to preach the truth. I don't care if you stay or not. I'd love for you to stay. I'd love for God to work on it. But i got to answer to him, and we're going to preach the truth. If you're looking for somebody to feed your ears, there's plenty of them around. Go find them. Amen. Go find them. Amen. We want to know who Jesus is. We want him to put truth in our hearts. Sometimes truth stings a little bit. It hurts. But we have to have it. That's who the Pharisees were. They were the guys that were plotting to get rid of him. They said, tell your disciples to quit praising you. And he gives them some more truth. Well, if they don't, rocks are, because you guys certainly ain't going to do it. That's basically what he was saying to them. So, we know about all the people, the, the Roman soldiers that hated him, and they enjoyed beating on him and, and, and doing what they did to him. We learned about that, right? They were the guys. They could have said, no, I'm not going to do it. We know about Pontius Pilate, a guy who in his heart knew who Jesus was, a guy in his heart who had the power and the authority at that time in that place to say, I'm not going to crucify him. And three times we learned that he said, I don't find any fault in him. I know I'm reiterating a lot of it, but it all ties together. And so... He's the guy that knows better but chooses not to do the right thing. He's worried about the crowd. Oh, let's just do it again. Let's wave our palm branches at Jesus. Don't worry about the crowd. It's you and Jesus here. That's all that matters. Somebody beside you, they don't like that. Oh, I don't believe. Well, that's fine. They can know how to believe in it, but I'm going to leave my hands at Jesus. I'm going to praise him when I can. Sometimes I get to sing and I do this kind of praise, and you know, like I'm picking up something. I can't help it. I'm going to praise my Lord. Pontius Pilate, though, he, he was worried about status. Y'all, excuse me, I have, this pollen has really played havoc with my throat. Excuse me. We learned about, uh, we learned even about his disciples, Peter. Remember Peter? We might talk about Peter next week on Easter. I'll go with you to prison. I'll go with you to death, Lord. And he said, oh, no, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. We know Peter did. We'll talk about him more next week. But what happened whenever the army came in to seize Jesus? They all scattered. They followed at a distance. They denied who Jesus was. They mocked him on the cross. We learned about two guys that was hanging on a cross with him. Both of them were ridiculing him and putting him down up until Jesus had done something. He'd done something that wiped us out. He'd done something that the crux of Christianity hangs on. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The very people that beat him, the very people that put him on trial, the very people that lied about him, the very people that were mocking him, every single one of them, the ones that put the nails in his hands, the ones that beat him with, with the cat of nine tails, they pulled his beard out to where he couldn't be recognizable, 
Every one of them, when he said that statement, one of the guys on the cross saw the light. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, there's a way we can see the light and we can help others see the light, and that's whenever forgiveness comes in. Amen? When forgiveness comes in, we start to grow and flourish. When forgiveness comes in, we're able to be able to show what Jesus really is all about, what the Word of God is all about. When forgiveness comes in, that's where the crux of Christianity lies. Jesus went to the cross, went through everything that he had to so that what? We could be forgiven. That's how powerful forgiveness is. And here we are 2,000 years later and Christians are all around. There were some in Egypt that were bombed last night or this morning. Anybody see any bombs in any of these bags here? I mean, we don't have security up checking your bags. Charlie, you came in with a big bag this morning. Randy, you got a bag over there. You got a bomb in there? <laughs> We're laughing at it, but those people go to church in fear every time. But they go. They're there to serve their Lord. They're there to learn about their Lord, knowing that there are people that hate them and people that may blow them up because of it. Because they hate Christians. And just, guess what? The ones that hate Jesus, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. One, one of the guys on the cross saw the light and one of them didn't. Didn't change what the truth was. Ain't we good at making up excuses about why this and why that? Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. I get asked a lot of questions. And a lot of times I get asked the question of, what do you think? Brother Murphy, you ever get that? And you know when it's coming, so they've already heard something else that they're not sure whether it's right or not. But you know what's so sad? You got a Bible and you got the Holy Spirit that'll teach you. Well, what do you think about this? You can tell by how the question is what laid out. Oh, no, my chain's all messed up. Sweet, help me. <laughs> you already know what it's about. What do you think? Oh, that was quick. Miracle worker. You already know what's coming about with that. Can I tell you something? You got a Bible. And it doesn't matter what Pastor Ken thinks, Pastor Wayne thinks, Pastor Charlie thinks. It doesn't matter about any of that. What matters is what's written in the Word. Amen? That's where truth lies. That's where truth lies. Well, what do you think about? It, it doesn't matter. And this is where the truth lies. And this truth was hanging on the cross that brought redemption for mankind, and they hated him. We already know. Everybody had an encounter with Jesus. Not everybody around this world has had an encounter with Jesus, but you know what? They're supposed to. We're supposed to take the gospel, and if we ain't going to take it, we need to send somebody. Right? So that every creature, you know, we got something good here in Christianity. We got something good here in the love of Jesus. We got something good here in the place of forgiveness. Hey, man, we should want the people around the world to know, because you know what? If Jesus gets a hold of them, they don't go to churches and blow people up. They don't get in trucks and run into people on the street. When Jesus gets a hold of you, that kind of junk quits. That's what this triumphant entry was about. He was coming in to get the job done. These people saw who he was. 
They knew what he was about. If the devil would have known what was going to happen on that day and what kind of circumstances was going to come about, he'd have done everything he could to stop Jesus being crucified. But he couldn't. He hung out with God in heaven. He was the praise and worship leader before he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be worshipped. Oh, don't, don't want to be worshipped by men. I don't ever want you to please, please don't say it. People, you might say, okay, you know, Ken Lester, pastor's there. Don't tell him this is my church. It ain't. It belongs to Jesus Christ. And I work for him, either here or somewhere else. I follow him. This is his church. He's the one that will save you. He's the one that will set you free. He's the only one that can do it. I can't. I can talk fancy words to you maybe. Y'all know I can't, but somebody could. But Jesus went to get the job done. Thank God he did. Amen. Let's give him some more praise this morning. Next week we'll be coming in here at 7 o'clock to have sunrise service. And boy, I tell you what, I am just chewing at the, on the, at the bit wanting to set a bunch of chairs up out in the parking lot and have a sunrise service. So right now, I'm going to take a vote and be honest. We're in church. Be honest. That's kind of a bad statement. You're a Christian. Be honest. Doesn't matter where you're at. Shh, be quiet. There comes the preacher. Well, like I'm God? God's already there. He's already been there. He's always been there. How many of you would like to be outside next week if it ain't raining? Going to be here anyway. Bring a coat if it's cold. I don't think it's supposed to be. You know how long rain forecasts go? Forecasts? Forecasts go. All right. I think, it, how many don't want to be outside next week? Let me see your hands. It's okay. Be honest. We're Christians. We love each other. We don't cast stones. <laughs> Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. We'll set a speaker up for Sister Murphy in here. If you want to do that, I'm serious. I'm, I'm really wanting to do it bad. But I'm going to need some help. We've got to set chairs up. and We've been having about 140 or so people sometimes on, on sunrise, 120 maybe, and then it's more than that. Next service will come inside, but, you know, that means we have no words on the walls. That's okay, right? And if you don't know the song, that's okay too, isn't it? Learn it. We can learn it. I didn't know any Christian songs until I got saved. Then I'm up here like, blah, blah, blah. you know how it is when you got the headphones on and you sing and people, the other people hear you, you don't hear yourself because you think you sound like the guy on the headphones. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That's how I was the first year I was a Christian. I was raising my hands. Blah, blah, blah. What? I couldn't catch what they were saying, but I was worshiping. Amen? And their Easter songs, you hear them once a year. Like, who's going to remember that after once a year? It takes some time, but... It's okay. We'll put some books out maybe. I really, I really want to do that, y'all, if y'all want to. But if you don't, we'll be, we'll be in here. If you don't want to do it since everybody's raised their hands, pray for snow. And that'll make it happen. Sister Murphy, you're going to have to pray for snow, and that's against your religion. <laughs> I know. I'm just funning you. I'm just funning you. 
but next week we're going to come in and we're celebrating. Yeah, we've had Easter eggs, and you know, people get off on all kinds of rabbit trails. Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That simple. I think the Bible tells us that whenever a man doesn't eat something, and this just came in, so don't hold me to it. I think I wrote something down this week. I need to hurry because we gotta we gotta move on. Papa's a little faster than that one up there. Anyway. When you see a brother that eats meat and you think you shouldn't eat meat, the Bible tells us if that's what's in your heart, then don't make your brother stumble. Am I am I hitting that about right? It's in uh I know I wrote something on it this week because I've been chewing. Anyway, every single day, 365 and a quarter days a year, we worship God. I celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. I got a question for those people that come up with all these kind of weird things. We sang a song this morning. What did it, how did that last song go? You were worthy of it all, for through you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. There's a lot of paganism going on in this world, right? In fact, when we take communion here in a little bit, if you ain't right in your heart, that could be paganism because you're worshiping this juice, this wine that it's called. It's not wine, it's juice. Let me help you with that. Just because somebody in pagan worship did something, It's about the motive of your heart because, you see, there's nothing else that we in the earth that's been created, right? So just because pagans use it, we can't? Is that something to chew on? We're here to worship Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. We don't worship that wooden cross there or that metal cross there. We worship what it symbolizes. We worship the one who was on that cross. Right. Amen. Cross doesn't do it. We can preach about the cross and what the cross was about. That's what it's about. Next week, he went to the cross. We don't worship the cross. We worship the one who was on the cross. The one who shed his blood on the cross that made it turn red. All of his blood came out, and it dripped and went down inside in the ground around. I see the ground that it was stained with his blood inside of that place wherever they was beating him. His blood was there. And it's that blood that was shed for you and me that we might be saved. It had to be that perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He, he came and he knew no sin. He did not sin. Tempted in all points like as we get, did not sin. That's why he could be worshipped when he came into town. That's why these people was able to see that the dead had been raised. He had the power of God. He was without sin. He could talk to God straight. He took what God said and says, okay, let's do it. Don't take a vote and see what they want to do like Pete Preacher just did. 
If God said, let's do it, he was on a mission. That's what he did. And that's why he came in, and it was a triumphant entry. I want to read you one more thing before we move on. Oh, I'm going to change pages here, y'all. Let's go into Luke, and we'll, we'll read on down here on, in verse 41. And now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in, in your day, the things that make for your peace. Let's stop there. If you know, if you could only know what things brings you your peace. You don't have peace today. There's a word. There's an answer for it inside of this book. We don't have to get such and such a psychology course. We got the book. It's in here. We don't have to ask other people what their opinion is. No, it's in here. Their opinion doesn't matter. My opinion doesn't matter. If what I preach doesn't add up to the truth that's in the Word of God, you need to go find another church. Better yet, you need to tell somebody so maybe I can get right with God. Amen? Preferably me. Talk with me. But it's... you. This is your peace. And he said, if you would have only known, they were supposed to know about what was bringing them peace. The peace for them was coming from him, the truth. That's what they needed. And so he comes in and he says, if you would have only known the things that make your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. You know, we can turn truth away for so long and then it's hidden from our eyes. Then we can't see it. You can't fathom it. it. It doesn't come in. The Spirit of God doesn't have any power in us no more. And he expected them to know. And he said, uh, For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they shall not leave in you one stone upon another, but because you do not know the time of your visitation. These religious leaders that wanted him to rebuke people. These religious leaders that was leading the, 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 the work that was being done to crucify him should have known they had the word of God. They should have known. They knew what the prophets were doing. They should have known what was happening at that time. And God said, I'm holding you accountable to it. You should have known, but now you're not going to be able to see. Brothers and sisters, when I stand up here and preach, don't you think I want to be liked by you and not be bad-mouthed? I want to be liked by everybody. Oh, but I want to be loved by him, and he loves me, and I love him, and I have to follow what he says. You understand that, right? I've had a lifetime of confrontation. I don't like it. Sometimes I know that it's necessary. But he said, you should have known. When preachers, when pastors are, pe are preaching and trying to get the truth to us, we have to let that truth come in and do something. But Jesus said, I've been here with you for three and a half years, and you didn't even know who I was. I gave you everything that you needed. I wish I had more time to develop this. Let's go over to Matthew 23 and 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. The question is, what are we going to do with Jesus? Are we willing to let him minister to us? That means the things of this world might have to be going outside of our lives. Our thought processes have definitely got to change. He said, behold, I make all things new.
When Jesus comes into your heart, you get a new heart, you get a new brain, you start seeing things different. If you're sitting around still trying to justify wrong, you met him. I'll pray you let him come in and do something. Amen? And that leads us up to where we're headed now. Remember, Jesus said in Luke 23, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Jesus wants us to be with him. He wants us to gather with him. The lost souls that are in this world today, he wants us to gather those that have gotten off track and need truth coming in their lives and be be able to grow, to be sanctified. That's what we're to do, church. That's what our job is. Amen? And the only place that it comes from is the truth of here. Oh, if you're one of these that you do this all the time, well, I think, and I've done that myself, and then I've had to go back and say, wait a minute, what does the Word of God say? Not what I heard somebody else say, and they throw the Scripture out there. I may not even know if it's right or not. No, what does the Word of God say? Because that's what we're accountable to. Amen? The Word of God. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. This morning, we're going to receive communion. It might be different than what you've been used to, but well, I'm doing what I think the Lord laid on my heart for us to do this morning. But we have to check ourselves. We can come in dressed to the nines next week. Even Ryan's going to have a suit on next week. Ain't you, little buddy? Got the thumbs up, so we're good to go. No fighting at our house next week. No, I'm kidding. No, my son is who he is, and I love his heart because I see his heart every day. Right? But we need to reflect. Next week, we're going to have people come and visit our church that we may never see except for next Easter, if it comes, or might not have seen them since last Easter. It's a time for us to shine for Jesus. Not to say about our program, not to talk about our music, good or bad, not to talk about our building, good or bad, not to talk about the breakfast, good or bad. No, what we should be doing next week, and by the way, this is every day and every Sunday, lifting him up. So we can dress good. That's good. I hope we do. I might even wash a suit. Wash a suit. How do you spell that? W-O-R-C-H? Yes. But taking communion is a serious business. I'm going to read some scripture for you, and we're going to play some music, and we're going to do some time of reflection. In 1 Corinthians 11 and 23, it said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he had been betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let me stop right there.
time of self-reflection, but what this is about is that we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. I've heard people say, well, you don't take communion unless you're worthy. And you don't. You don't do it just because everybody else is going to get up and I don't want to be sitting alone. No, that's not why you do that. That's the wrong motive. No, you do this because you're proclaiming his death until he comes. And we're going to take some time here to do self-reflection. I'm going to finish reading it here in a minute. But I want you to understand what it's saying. How many of you here did everything exactly right this week? Let me see your hands. I'm talking about every thought. Every thought. Every motive. Was there any malice in it? It talks about taking it unworthily. We're going to read that here in just a second. It's not about that. He made us worthy by his blood. He's working in us every day by his spirit. He's given his word to teach us. He's given us pastors and teachers to teach us. And like the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise, he told him. Your sins are forgiven. He didn't have to act a certain way. I'm not saying this to say we don't have to live right. Because we can be in malice in our hearts. And say, okay, well, I just don't believe that part. No, it's the whole counsel of God. It's the whole word of God, every bit of it. You understand what I'm saying? I hope I'm getting this across okay. Because I've known people to sit in their seats and not come and take communion because they got something they're dealing with. No, you are proclaiming the death of Jesus. That's, your, that's what you're doing until he comes. You're partaking in communion with him. And as long as you take com communion with him every single day by the word, he will grow you. Amen? You don't read the Bible, you don't want to grow. If I don't know about it, I don't, I'm not accountable. No, yes, we are. But if we're continually in prayer, we're continually seeking God, we're continually letting the word come in and change us and minister to us, we're really partaking of his death till he comes. Amen? But he told us to do this, and this is a very sacred thing. He told us to do this. But as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. You understand what that says? God's told us, and he's trying to help us. Have we said, no, I don't want your help. I don't want this fixed. I don't want you coming into my heart and taking care of this. That would be taking the Lord's Supper unworthily because we don't want him to be Lord over our lives, regardless of what it is, if it's truth out of the Bible. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, not understanding the Lord's body, not understanding who Jesus Christ is, is what that's saying. We don't understand what he went through. We, we haven't got it yet inside of our heads. But we do need to know that he died for us. Every stripe that is on his back is for our healing, the Bible says. Those crown of thorns on his head was for the things that goes on in our mind. How many of us got stuff going on in our minds? 
walking along good with Jesus today, and the next thing, man, something comes up and you're burdened. He bled for that. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned in with the world. Sometimes we go through stuff and God's trying to get our attention, brothers and sisters. Chastening from the Lord. Why am I having to deal with this? Why is this coming on? I talked to a guy not long ago. Very bitter with the world and what's going on. I'm like, yeah, well, I watched you for like two years. Steadily, steadily get away from God. And then you're angry about this and that. Did you realize God's knocking on your heart? She can't say that. Doesn't get it. But I said it anyway. They ain't coming anyway, so I might as well tell them the truth, right? Amen. I do have a bit of an edge about me. I understand that. And I love Jesus, and he's working on me. I'm not like I used to was. Amen.